0: Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my identical
1: twin brother, the coach, Josh Motenko. That's right. It's Motenko, not Potapenko. Yes,
0: often uh, confused. And uh, I I keep calling you Potapenko. And and that's probably the biggest mistake of anybody who's making that one. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff.
2: Yeah, I normally go with Vitaly, but uh, I guess we'll go with Coach Mo this week. How's it going, gentlemen?
0: <laughs> you like how I, how I emphasize the off on your name, Minky? Uh,
2: yeah, no, it was, it was special. Just keep them coming. <laughs> what else you got for me?
0: Today on the podcast, we are talking about the last couple games after the All-Star break against Brooklyn and Houston. We're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. It is GM posturing season. And we'll look at the upcoming schedule and start thinking about what do we need to see in the second half of the season, or at least in the next couple of weeks, to know that this team is turning a corner. First, a loss against Brooklyn. This team, the Celtics just did not shoot well in that game. Uh, Jalen Brown and and Walker were 4 of 19 from 3. Kyrie played out of his mind. It was a truly great game by him. And not surprising, given that he was playing the Celtics and no Celtics fans were in attendance. Um, they were without Durant. Uh, so it's not like, you know, people looked at this team and, and reacted as if, wow, that's the that's the Eastern Conference champion. That's a potential championship team. And I agree, but they don't play like this every night. They have some games where Brooklyn plays really well and they have some really so-so nights other times. Um, and, and it's hard to look at that team and, and for me, and, and t- to see consistency, at least so far this season, when they are at their best, they are definitely a championship team, I think. Um, but this game, I, you hear it often said, it's a make or miss league and the Celtics just did not shoot well and they were in this game. So I don't feel that bad about this game. And then a blowout against Houston Uh, despite a really poor defensive performance in the first quarter, basically until Marcus Smart entered the game. And then they took over and and put Houston away, as they should have. I'm not taking much away from this game. Rob Williams looked amazing. Tristan Thompson looked amazing, basically because the Houston front line was terrible. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, tiny and terrible. How
2: dare you talk about Patton that way? I have no idea what his first name is. What's his first
0: name? (laughs) Justin.
1: Justin Patton out of DePaul. (laughs)
0: So I'm not giving the Celtics huge credit for beating Houston. I'm not giving them. Uh, I'm not taking much away from them for, for losing to Brooklyn. Uh, what I really need to see here is is them put together some some stretches of, of consistency. Uh, Mike, what did you think about these these two games? Any takeaways?
2: Yeah, uh, Brooklyn is better than us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that it 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 kind of that simple. Also, Kyrie is freaking good basketball player when he's not tearing the soul and culture of your team apart. Mm-hmm. Um, he was phenomenal. Uh, it was really, really impressive. We we played pretty solid defense on him, I thought, in a lot of the game. And he just could do whatever he wanted. Um, and, you know, you just watch Harden and Kyrie and the way they played uh and you think about kind of what we're hoping for out of tatum and brown and you just realize how far away they are from being that level of superstar um which is you know it's it it is what it is uh it it's unfortunate they're young it they have they they have room for growth uh they they are not the same players they never you know they they're not aspiring to be the same players but Gosh, those Nets are talented. Um <laughs> uh in the the Houston game, yeah, I think I agree with what you said, Adam. You know, we did ultimately what we were supposed to do. We I I was happy that we were able to kind of blow them out and hold on to the blowout. Now, granted, it's still a low bar. Houston has lost 16 straight games so if you've ever played if you're ever going to play against the team just looking for an excuse to roll over i think that houston rockets team is the one um by contrast adam i'm not sure what you're talking about as far as the ups and downs of brooklyn they're nine and one in their last 10 games all without kevin durant um that team is i think going to be exceptional and might be the favorite for the championship um So despite you kind of questioning people saying that, I think I'm saying that. Um, So, uh, and I have a question for you guys inspired by these last two games because it was well-documented. Kyrie came out, what, two, three weeks ago to the media and said, like, he and Harden kind of had a sit down or whatever, and Kyrie's like, James, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. And that obviously makes sense, and it's made me think. Look, you look at the frustration we felt at times with the growth, or or kind of stunted, stilted growth uh, of the facilitator role for both Tatum and Brown. And I'm wondering if our, if we're trying to force them too much into roles that they're just not best suited to play, and if. We should be more frustrated with Danny Ainge for not getting enough facilitators around those guys.
1: No, 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 no. No. Mike Minkoff, no. It's th- this is the way the league is now. You need your best wing to be the facilitator. You need, you know, that James Harden has proven that 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 was kind of like the end James of James Harden the, isn't the the a wing.
2: I think I think you're proving my point. There is no universe in which um, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown are going to become anywhere near the level of passer that James Harden is.
1: Well, James Harden wasn't this good of a passer when he was with the Thunder and he was a wing with them. He was a guard. He was playing off the ball with them. So that's kind of how this thing works. These James days, Harden is, is like
2: have... a best passer in the league.
1: Mike, if you want us to answer your question, you're going to have to let us. Yeah. Do you want to argue about like the semantics of my point or do you want to like, let me finish?
2: A little of column A, a little of column B. <laughs>
1: so, so if you look around the league, your best players, especially the guys who are not six feet tall, are, are always going to come off ball screens and always going to be ball handlers, always going to be facilitators, especially if they're like head and shoulders above the other guys on the team. Like If you have a wing who's obviously better than your point guards, you want that wing to be coming off ball screens and making decisions. And this is year one of those two guys on our team being facilitators, but we're grooming them for that you know all-star status where they're not just playing off the ball as an all-star but handling it and making decisions with it that's kind of the the that's the blueprint right now in the NBA you don't have a lot of point guards who are not scoring point guards anymore there's barely any true point guards in the NBA i got to agree with josh mike you
0: know how i hate doing that but um the days of of point guard shooting guard small forward power forward center are over and which I know that you know that, but but it's hard to, to make clear delineations between wing and ball handler if the wings are also the ball handlers, which is when you have a good offensive wing, that's what happens. And so what I see here is a natural progression for these two very young players in Tatum and Brown in learning how to facilitate for others. We've talked about how there was a, an anonymous player on another team that mentioned that the the... The scouting report is out on the Celtics, and if you stop the stop Tatum and Brown, you know that they're not going to be heavy facilitators. You could stop that offense, and it's actually not that hard to play against the Celtics. And so they will learn that, and they will learn to facilitate better. I'm not saying they'll get to Harden level because he's got some pretty amazing uh, passing vision, but I think this is part of the natural uh, progression for them. So, and, and it, and it okay. may not come immediately. This is going to take some time.
2: So <clears throat> a couple a couple of additional thoughts um so one is i'm not saying you don't develop their game as facilitators you obviously do that but i don't think like Kyrie can pass but he's not a lead facilitator i think i think this idea of grooming them to be the main facilitator so you uh, adam you just it's joke. You said something that you hate to say. I'm I'm about to say something I hate to say, which is that Bill Simmons made a good point about whoa, the whoa, Celtics. Whoa,
0: that's Josh's domain.
2: <laughs> what what's Josh's domain? Talking about uh, Bill talking about Bill Simmons' yeah, yeah, podcast. I know, me. I know. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm stepping on your toes. Nobody else listens to Bill Simmons.
1: <laughs> what's your point?
2: <laughs> um, so Bill Simmons made a point about the Celtics and Clippers being similar in that they don't have people that really make the rest of the team better. I would say Marcus Smart does for the Celtics, but beyond, but certainly I think there are, there have been lots of analogs by us, by many others over the years between kind of Tatum and Brown and Kawhi and Paul George. And I think that is kind of an analog on the negative side in how they, and how they correlate They're their kind of mode as a superstar, as an all-star, is is not, it, they're not LeBron. They're not Kawhi. They don't, like, create an offensive system. They're an offensive force, but they're not an offensive system. Um, and I think, so, watching the, the Nets and seeing how un- fathomably, like, basically unguardable Kyrie was and how he's kind of unlocked by playing next to a playmaker as elite as Harden. It, it actually makes me kind of think back to one of the reasons that I was a little disappointed when the Celtics, and I and I like Kemba to be clear, but when Celtics signed Kemba, because I felt like an overreaction and it felt like between Smart and Hayward, we actually probably had enough playmakers to position Brown and Tatum the way they needed to be positioned to kind of maximize their growth. So I don't know. I mean, th- these are kind of uh, – I recognize this is a bit disor- disorganized um, thinking, but I do I do have – I do question – whether like Tatum or Brown are really wired to be like a true lead ball handler for a a really strong offensive system and structure. I don't doubt their ability to be like world-class scorers. Yeah.
1: I think they're both, they're both more likely to develop that skill than someone like a Paul George. I think when they're 26 and 28 years old, you're not really going to have much of a point with this argument. But they're so young, it's year one of them developing that skill, and that's the next skill to develop in in their all-star status. You know is, is, and so it's it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. You're making some comments about like, well, if Hayward were here, that would have, you know Hayward left. He was he was a ball mover for our team and always made good decisions at, at the size where he could also come off ball screens really well. So I mean, that was a big loss in terms of this kind of conversation. But, I mean, we're also just coming off a of Celtics-Nets game where Kyrie was top-notch Kyrie. We remember that guy. We also remember another type of Kyrie. And, you know, I think it's only a matter of time before that Kyrie shows up with this Nets team, too. I don't think he'll sabotage that team like he did ours uh, because he's got his best friend on the team. I, that team is a team that I fear, for sure. But, you know, it's we don't, you don't always get this Kyrie that we're seeing now. So I don't want to overreact to, like, how unlocked he is with Harden and because I don't think he's always going to play well like this. Um, but, you know, when when looking at like the last couple games in this Houston game, this was one I was actually worried about. You know, everybody yeah. on Twitter, all the fans like I'm, I'm Mr. Optimism. Everybody's complaining about every little thing. And I was ready. I was like going into that game. I was like, this is the kind of a game that if we lose when that team is on a 14, 15 game losing streak. And they come to the Celtics and we lose to them. That would actually be a statement for me and a concern for me. And so I'm really glad that didn't happen.
0: Mike, I, I think I'm hearing you raise a really interesting question. I don't know if this is intentional, or intentionally brought up by you or not. But the question is whether in this day and age in the NBA, whether you need a, more than one or even one offensive facilitator to have a really strong offense. Um, Can you have, uh, you you mentioned Kawhi, you mentioned Paul George, I'm thinking about recent championship teams, the LeBron teams in in LA and Cleveland, Golden State, last year, um, I'm sorry, the the year before last, uh, the Clippers with with Kawhi, uh, not the Clippers, Toronto with with Kawhi, um,
2: and... But just on Toronto, their facilitator was Lowry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, but did they have many more facilitators? I mean, I think we can all agree that having facilitators and having a fluid offense, that's the assumed way to win, at least with offense in the NBA. The question is, in this NBA, do you, is that a requirement or not? LeBron is a, a phenomenal facilitator. I would actually, uh, I would push back on the idea that Harden is a facilitator. I don't know if you, you Heard Kevin McHale on on uh, Max's podcast, but he was talking about Harden, who he coached, basically saying that guy's a scorer. That's his mentality. That's what he likes to do. And he had to tell uh, the other players on on his Houston Rockets team when he was the GM or the coach, like you got to understand, James Harden is is going to take those shots, that because he this guy scores. So the idea that now he's going to be a facilitator. Uh, and he's going to totally transform his personality because he's the best passer on that team because he's got Kyrie, because he's got Durant. Obviously, he's doing that now. How long is that going to last? That's a real question for me.
1: And, and No, like, no, no, Adam. He's on. been doing that in Houston for years. Uh,
0: he's been doing it to rack up assists and, and to get some other players involved, But but his primary focus has been scoring, and he has not been doing it in the same way in Brooklyn that he did in Houston. And Mike, I just to, just to respond to what you said about about uh, Brooklyn being phenomenal, this team play in my opinion they play up to their competition. So I just want to list you some some wins they've had this year. They beat Golden State. They beat Utah. They beat Philadelphia, Denver, Milwaukee, uh, L. A. Uh, the Clippers. I mean, uh, they have beat. Uh, the Lakers. They actually beat the Clippers twice. They've beat some really good teams this year, and they've lost to some really bad teams this year. They've lost to Detroit. They've lost to Washington two times. They lost to Cleveland two times back to back. They've they they're playing down to bad teams, and they're playing up to good teams. And I think they played up to the Celtics.
2: I, I mean, maybe um, some of the, a number of those losses for them were pretty early in the season. I think. You know, Josh, I think you had said when the Celtics had their four-game win streak, we were tied for the longest win streak in the NBA at that time, right?
1: Yeah, it was only four games, so it was a silly. It was only
2: four games. I know, but that's my point. So, if a team goes nine and one, first of all, they've broken that win streak. Either they have a five-game or a four-game win streak, at least. Um, Second, in a season that's as up and down and chaotic as this season has been. I don't think you can discount a team that's gone 10 and nine and one in their last 10 without arguably a top five player playing like uh, that carries more weight to me than them losing kind of back-to-back games against Cleveland early in the season. That was, I think part of their reckoning for them, right? Wasn't that back-to-back loss when they like, were like, Oh, okay. We got to get serious and lock in.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let's transition here. Trade deadline is 10 days away. And this feels like the season of rumor mongering by uh, not not just by the media, but but as a result of GMs trying to position, leaking stories about other teams being interested in players that they really want to trade, um, leaking that they're oh they're not really that interested in in trading, uh, making certain trades that that is out there, really just trying to position to um, to be in an advantageous situation in terms of what they really want to do. You've got too many teams this year uh, who think they, they're in it as a result of not just everybody being uh, compacted in terms of parity because it's such a weird season, but also because of the playoff rules are expanded to have the play-in game so that so more teams are, have the opportunity to, to make the playoffs Mike, you're, you've been uh, paying a lot of attention to some of this GM posturing. I know Ainge made some comments recently. What has jumped out for you here?
2: Well, it's just such a wonderful time of the year. Um, all the smoke screens, all the all the the fake the fake plans, um, the idea that a GM uh, would come out on you know, a radio broadcast and reveal the exact stance publicly of what his team intends to do uh, two weeks before the trade deadline or three weeks before the trade deadline. So Ainge was sit, went on... Um,
0: Toucher and Rich.
2: Toucher and Rich, thank you. Uh, on Thursday morning, his weekly radio spot and said, you know, it was more likely than not that the Celtics would use the TPE in the off season.
0: Um Oh, people freaked out.
2: People were not excited to hear that. And it's crazy because if Ainge goes and says, oh yeah, we are definitely going to use the TPE by this trade deadline, well, it turns out every other GM then has them by the you-know-whats. And and it just totally undermines the Celtics negotiating position in, in any of those conversations. But the best part to me is then we get reports today. So last week, Sam Amick of the Athletic reported that, bas- basically, kind of hinted at this Sacramento Kings, Boston Celtics kind of match made in heaven with Harrison Barnes and and the Celtics and something like a late you know a late first round pick that the Celtics are going to have and one of our maybe one of our recent uh, lottery picks um, or at least one of our young guys something like that. And and obviously the TPE um, uh, as the package, he, Sam Amick came out today. uh, We're recording on Monday with a a follow-on report, basically saying may have overstated uh, the King's interest in trading Harrison Barnes, which is of course just their counter to their counter posturing to Ainge's posturing last Thursday. So you know, it's it this, like this a amusing dance amuse, amusing dance in public that the GMs do to say, I'm less interested than you are in this deal that we both want to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he, it's like a retraction. Like, I, oh, the comments I made before were not actually true. Why would you? I, it, this is all rumor mongering. Well, like, <laughs> basically, that sounds like he's got a, an in with somebody and they said, hey, you have to say this or else the relationship isn't good. Either. I'm going gonna, gonna to stop feeding you information. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I, they probably didn't frame it that way. He right. he probably just knows where his bread is buttered, exactly. right? He says, no, oh, could you actually say this this time?
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: And, yeah, and, and Sam, I... Sam, Amick, Sam Amick used to be a Kings reporter like he came up through Sacramento so I'm sure he's pretty oh, okay. pretty well plugged in there
0: I listened to that entire Ainge interview um and, and after the fact people like Toucher and Rich freaked out they were the ones that that really promoted that uh, he's talking about using the TP in the offseason uh people on the our Celtics blog slack were frustrated with those comments I found nothing out of place upsetting Disingenuous or anything about Ainge's comments. It was all totally reasonable to me and, and fully expected of somebody in his position. He's not going to tell us what he's going to do, and and he's he has seemed to me reasonable in in all of his comments and the way he frames them, including that one. I mean that was framed in in. I think he'd like to make a deal now. It's just what what does he think is going to happen? That 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 likely it will be used in the off season, and and, and let me just say. I think it's more beneficial to use it now. There's more flexibility in the off season for sure. And a ton more competition. And I think the competition outweighs the flexibility in relation to those two factors now.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that the flexibility of the off season is. I, I, I think there are opportunities now that could, that could replicate enough of that flexibility. But I, I think it just—it's going to come down, as it always does with Ainge, um, to kind of the value he's placing on the the assets that would have to be traded um, relative to the rest of the league. And I, in my opinion, um, you know, Ainge I think tends to overvalue those assets a bit, uh, and Agreed. and it and it's led to it's led to us being in a situation where we have frankly too many young players on our roster, um, which Ainge has refused to acknowledge lower, inherently lowers all of their value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's been fundamentally the problem. Uh, like there, there was this, this was an issue starting four or five years ago, but at a certain point, if you have three or four draft picks for multiple years in a row, they're just less valuable. It's a supply and demand thing. You have too much supply,
0: and unless and, that and, draft pick is really good, they, unless they really play well, they're less valuable than they than the pick is.
2: Exactly. So, so I think you know, and we don't have roster opportunities to so let these let all of these young players you know mature and develop into their optimal selves. So even if you can project a better outcome for them, like it's it's. From another team's perspective, it it's not worth a whole lot. So, um, you know, I I hope I, I do continue to hope that Ange, you know, gets past the posturing and and is willing to do a trade that he maybe thinks isn't as good value in his kind of maniacal trading brain. Um, and I think I think liter- that's literally a very difficult for him because of the way he's wired and he wants to like really really win every trade um but i think it it would be in the better long-term interest of the team if he did something that he felt like was a little too expensive
0: Mm. and i mean this is something like you and i have been talking about i feel like for years this consolidation of assets thing paying more than you think you should especially if you overvalue players um, because you need top level talent and you have so many assets if Ainge is really overvaluing the players, which I, th- I agree with you, I think he does. And I think it's real. I think he actually really likes these players. And I think he is, um, other than the Kyrie trade, he has actively chosen to go, the, and it may be because of what else has been on the market. He's actively decided that he's just going to draft and, and create his team um, as a, a homegrown um, constellation here. Um, what is Clear is that fans are just so unhappy with this. And and Josh, I wanted to throw it to you and, and ask you the question. If we I mean, all along I've been saying fans are overvaluing this TPE, we're not gonna get the value that they think we are with it, it's not as valuable as they think it is. I don't actually expect us to to get a really good player. I've been saying this all along. It's gonna be it's gonna seem like a disappointment disappointment based on expectations. Josh, if we don't make a, a trade that really shifts uh, the competition level of this team this season what's gonna happen what's the what what's what are the fans reactions gonna be
1: uh, well first of all the you know this whole idea of consolidating assets I, I think we're in a different situation now than we were in the last time we were consolidating assets right back in 2007 we had Al Jefferson we had Tony Allen Delonte West and uh, we had Gerald Green, we had Sebastian Telfair, we had Ryan Gomes, we had all these young guys.
0: Are you going back to
1: KG? <laughs> yeah, we consolidated them to get KG and Ray Allen, right? And so that's you had to make that move then because we were an average team. We were like young and not very good. Right now we're young, but we're good. We're, this is a good team. This is a playoff team every single year with really young players. And so the idea of having to make a move to consolidate the assets, I don't necessarily agree with with the circumstances right now. Um, because I think, you know, speaking about what the fans' expectations might be, like the what ifs, like what if he doesn't make a trade? What if we don't use the TPE, right? Obviously people are gonna continue to freak out. And I mean, this is, this is a time when Twitter has gotten worse since COVID. You know, everyone's so irritable. Everybody's so uh, overreacting that, you know, that it's just gotten, it's gotten worse. We're gonna, that's gonna continue to happen. When, sure?
2: I'm pretty sure that's always been Twitter.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's to the point <laughs> now where like, I, just in general, I mean, we all know that we're more irritable, I think. We all know we, that we have people around us at work or at home who are more irritable. It's just the nature of things right now. And so we're ready to overreact if Ainge doesn't use the TPE or doesn't make any trade. You know, we're, we're sitting here week after week talking about Harrison Barnes. I don't think we're going to make a trade for Harrison Barnes. I think it's more likely we don't. And what if we can actually grow the best supporting cast for for Tatum and Brown with these young guys that we have? You know, what if Robert Williams and Romeo Langford and Neesmith and Pritchard are, are like the guys that rise out of that group and can be like you know, options number four, five, six, and seven on a playoff team in two years, right? And, and we're actually using those guys to complement our stars the right way. We think that we have to make this move and it's kind of a gut reaction time sometimes. And, and what if that doesn't happen? You know, what if we don't consolidate these assets? I think it's gonna be fine. I think it's actually gonna be pretty good. Are we gonna win a championship? Nobody knows, right? So, we're all, therefore, we're all just ready to do, make whatever move to get someone who's better than the guys we have right now. But in two, three years, I don't know if that guy's still going to be better than the guys we have right now.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think there's a, for me, there's a few things, Josh. I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, you've been making this argument, and I understand where it's coming from and why you're making it. Um, I think, you know, I do worry for you, maybe it doesn't feel like, with two years and and counting on the development of these young players is a big deal. I don't know if that's true for Tatum and Brown. And I definitely care more whether they th- agree with that versus you in, in this grand, grand equation, you know, they've been to the Eastern conference finals three out of the last four years. If they feel like the team is taking steps back just to maybe get back to the same place they were, instead of making clear efforts to take a, a clear step forward, that could inform their decision on the next contract. Like they could start pushing their way out. We've seen things like this change very quickly in the NBA recently. So I don't want to just because they just signed extensions. I don't want to take their status with the team for granted. Um, so that's that's probably the chief concern I have. But so beyond that, that, can I just comment go ahead. real quick? Yeah, on go that. ahead, please. Yeah,
1: because I think that you know. Keith Pierce was on our, our pod last week and he was concerned that, about Keith, that.
2: Keith Smith. <laughs> oh my God,
1: Keith Smith. Uh, sorry, Paul Pierce. Um, and, and and I don't know if that concern is as realistic as like if we make a, a deal or two deals in the next year or two that don't pan out, I think you're going to see Tatum and Brown leave quicker because now we've done things and lost assets and, and it hasn't worked rather than if we just stay the course and let continuity and consistency and development and growth of these young guys, you know, ter- turn someone else into another serviceable player or, or borderline all-star player. Yeah, they will yeah. leave.
0: They will leave because the team is not good when they are thinking of leaving, not because uh, uh, the team didn't do enough two years prior.
2: I, I mean, I don't think any of us know. I mean, you can assert that if you want. I, I don't think we know.
0: You're right. We don't know, but but players don't leave good teams when they're really good. Except because, for Kawhi Leonard. Except for Kawhi Leonard, sure.
2: <laughs> like, players like leave Lunders. teams all the time for, like, reasons that we don't ever fully understand. Like, I don't know. I mean, by all accounts, Brown and Tatum really, really like being Boston Celtics. Yay. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, I just want us to keep it that way. But I agree, Josh, that we don't want to make dumb moves. Um, You know, we don't want, like, I think Cleveland did that. I think New Orleans did that, right, with LeBron the first go-round and with Anthony Davis, like, and then you, you know, and I don't think there's, I don't think Ainge is going to do that. He doesn't make big investments in bad long-term contracts. I think, for me, the reason someone like Harrison Barnes is so appealing in particular is because I think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm my enthusiasm, my preseason enthusiasm for someone like Grant Williams, for example, has been seriously tempered. Um, I think there's a way that you can package what, yes, would be a bit of an expensive package as far as like maybe a draft pick, some Aaron Niesmith or Romeo Langford, and and then maybe Grant Williams and Carson Edwards to to get someone like Harrison Barnes, get some picks, get under the luxury tax, which is a big, big thing. Um, and that gives us all sorts of flexibility going forward. And it undeniably makes us more competitive this year.
1: Sure, it continues the ability to, to have another salary that we could use to get someone like a Bradley Beal, right? And so it's good for, for all those reasons. But, you know, Trader Danny actually doesn't make as many trades as people kind of think he does. And I think the reason for that is because he's not looking for – he's looking for the right deal all the time. And so by not making the deal a lot and not, you know, making bigger deals in this past offseason and instead just getting Teague and Tristan Thompson, you know, people can be upset about those things all day long. But what if he's right? What if he's right? That's my thats my whole thing with right now. Like, what if, what if we were both – trying to win a championship and developing talent and and trying to develop continuity at the same time instead of doing one or the other.
2: I I think the issue I have with it, like it feels a little bit too convenient of a mindset because I don't think this was Danny's plan. So sure. After the fact you can say, let's make lemonade out of lemons, but his grand design was to have hayward right now
1: right to re-sign horford or, or hayward for less than what they wanted and, to, yeah, and or, he thought or, that that would work
2: out so danny the ownership wants to win a championship and wants to compete for a championship they don't want to wait longer um i don't you know I just don't believe, you know, this ownership group, do you think they want the Lakers to have more championships than the Celtics? Like, I I just don't believe that kind of biding their time and hoping that the current young players evolve into, like, a really strong supporting cast is is the way anyone in the front office is really – that I don't think that's their plan. They can sell it as their plan if they want, but you know there are a number of people kind of in the media. Uh, Ryan Bernardoni is is maybe principal among them, kind of who who char- characterizes the basic the basis of his critiques of the front office as they are the ones out front saying our goal every year is to win a championship. And if that's their goal, truly, then it it doesn't make sense not to make a trade this trade deadline.
0: So we're taking Danny Ainge on face value when he says that, but not when he's uh, rumor mongering.
2: <laughs> well, that that one seems. Um, less of a posturing thing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, of course, every team is trying to make the playoff, uh, trying try, try to win a championship. Uh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> especially the Celtics. And in, in this town, you have to say that. That's what this fan base expects.
1: Yeah. In, in, I think, I think too, across the league, if you look at like all of the moves that are made, I, it feels like there's a lot of GMs who don't make smart moves. And there's a lot of lateral moves that are made there's a lot of like free agent signings and trains, trades that don't work out well. And in Boston, there's not a lot of those. And so I think Ainge does a really good job of like curbing the overall grade for his performance by not messing up too much. And he's really good at holding his cards, but he's also really good at staying patient and not making moves when the right one isn't there. And that's kind of been his track record, in my opinion. And, and to me, I'm not a Danny Ainge truther, but he's usually right. That's just, that's why I put him as a top three GM overall, you know? So yeah, he, he's respected for a reason. And, and uh, in th- these irritable times, Boston fans are are overreacting, in my opinion, and, and will continue to because I think his actions show that he may not do something. He may not make a move. And I think that that's going to end up being okay, but most people won't.
0: Yeah, if, if uh, we had a Celtics newspaper right now, it would be called the Irritable Times. Yep. Um, okay. Question for you both: If um, ten days from now, will this team have made a a larger move, giving up assets like a Harrison Barnes type of type of deal? B, uh, a smaller move, not giving up too much, or C, no move. No
1: move.
2: Yeah, no move. <laughs> wow. uh,
0: are we, are we I'm going I'm going
1: small move. Small move, okay.
2: What 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 are you characterizing as a small move? Do you have an example of um, what you think could happen? Yeah, the
0: guy that you keep telling saying that we should get with the uh, George. George Hill, yeah. George Hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind oh, of
2: no, that that would be a way bigger move okay, than no. anything we'd do, okay, I think. Listen, yeah,
0: and, and every time you bring up um, uh, Larry Nance Jr. along with Harrison Barnes, it confuses me. They're they're not in the same stratosphere. Why are who, you so in love wait, with Larry Nance, Mike?
2: He's a really, 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 really good defensive player. He's been he's and, and he's high energy, a good rebounder. He's not as good a shooter. He's, um, he's gotten better.
0: He can he can now shoot a three, which is surprising.
2: But he's. I mean, Harrison Barnes isn't all, isn't like an elite player. I think this is Josh's point. It's not like, like – I think let's not get carried away with how good Harrison Barnes is either. He's I like mean, he's a modded upgrade over Shemi. No. What? No, what?
0: no, no. Harrison Barnes is a level below
2: All-Star. A full sure, level. He's a, he's a starter in the NBA. That's a level below. A all- starter. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's a, he's an interchangeable starter. He's a solid NBA player, but he's not, he's definitely not an all-star. Like he's definitely not on, he's not a fringe all-star. He's nowhere close to that conversation. Um, He's a solid guy. Like his shooting isn't that spectacular. Shem, if you look at the numbers this year, I think Shemi's numbers probably look better <laughs> on a per minute basis. Um, so wow. like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think this is Josh, your point, right? Like people are getting a little exuberant about like, I think Harrison Barnes is a really good for what this team needs. Um, which is why I'm excited. I also think he helps us alleviate um, a glut of too many young players that at best aren't going to have real opportunities to to fulfill their potential on our team. Um, And I think he gives us long-term maneuver maneuverability, both because of his positional uh, versatility, because of his contract, if we end up needing to move him or, that positional versatility if we retain him and have to decide to move other players. Um, So to me, he's, he's a really nice target to get. And I think Larry Nance jr. Hits a number of those as well. He has an even lower salary, um, which means we'd have to send out less to get under the luxury tax, which is appealing. Uh, But we might have to send out more. I think Cleveland might value him more based on what people are reporting, but
1: yeah, Mike, you're, you are, I, I think they're in different categories, though. I think you have the level below All-Star, and then below that, you've got Harrison Barnes. You know, if, if Harrison Barnes was really that good, the Warriors wouldn't have let him go. If he was right. really that good, Dallas wouldn't have let him go. If he was really that good, the Kings would have a better record. If he was really get that good, like, we would have seen a different version of him when he played for the, uh, the world in the world games with smart Tatum Brown and Kemba. I mean, I saw him play with those guys and he was completely a complimentary guy out there and he would have some hustle plays and hit a couple threes. And, but like, he's not a needle mover. And then, you know, below that is, is uh, the guy in Cleveland. Um, So Larry Nance. uh, Yeah. I don't think Larry Nance is on the same level as Harrison Barnes. And I don't think Harrison Barnes is really that good. And, to me, he's not worth giving up a first-round pick in this year or next year's draft, which are really good drafts. So I'm – no. I mean, like, I get the fact that – honestly, the fact that we could use him and trade him again for Bradley Beal is, like, the most appealing part of it. It's, it's an appealing that, part for me. It's a,
2: it's a really appealing yeah. part for me, too. I'm not not—I'm not going to pretend that's not.
1: <laughs> that's what Horford or Hayward would have been, is that that other contract that we could have used that we don't have right now. Now we have to trade Kemba if we want to get one of those guys.
2: Ed, but Kemba Kemba's not the the Wouldn't problem do. with trading Kemba, yeah, is that there's more there's kind of more baggage attached when you yeah. get someone at that like that's a max salary guy. Um in a in a max for max swap with Harrison Barnes, you can trade him and some young pieces and the 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 real gems are the young pieces or the young assets. Uh, or the draft picks or whatever. Um, And Harrison Barnes is like someone that's useful for the team and makes the salaries work. So that, I mean, yeah, I, you might be right. You might've hit it on the head. That might be the most appealing for me as well. If we're, if we're really, I I do think he makes us better this year. I don't think he's like, like if we want to have a chance at winning the championship this year, we need Kemba to be elite Kemba on offense. And we need, you know, smart to really liven things up, and we need you know the optimized version of our big men for the rest of the season.
0: What other uh, names are you, JT and JB? What other names <laughs> are you guys hearing out there on the trade market uh, that are worth talking about here? Uh,
2: um, Chris Haynes reported today, again Monday, uh, that. Uh, the Celtics might be looking to move Tristan Thompson at the deadline and Toronto might be a team at the at the front of the line with interest. It um, That doesn't
0: make any sense to me.
2: Doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, I would love that to somehow be Tristan Thompson for like OG and a newbie nobi. Uh, obviously that's not gonna happen. Or if it does, Masai Ujiri yeah. will have gotten apparently just like well, irreparable brain damage and well, gone from
1: arguably we won't the even best GM
2: in the league to... We won't even get uh, Norman Powell. No, we definitely won't. I mean, Norman Powell is awesome. Um, there, I've seen some people on Twitter say Tristan Thompson for Baines, so that Baines is just like our third center that only comes in for heavy lifting. Uh, I don't even want that. So Tristan Thompson in our last six games when the Celtics have been 5-1, uh, the Celtics' te- defensive rating with him on the court has been exceptional. It's been 102.1. Um, he's like finally kind of doing what I thought he was gonna do uh, for the team, and and we're we're looking really good with him on the court of late. So I'm I, I want more wow. minutes. So to Mike Mintoff
1: now loves Tristan Thompson and I doesn't didn't say want I love Aaron Baines back. Uh,
2: well, Adam, I don't want. Aaron take Bain Aaron back. Baines? Aaron 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 Baines is a shell of himself.
0: Yeah, he is Adam? former self. I'm not I, that. I would you Aaron take Aaron Baines. Baines? You know, I would take Aaron Baines back because I love Aaron Baines, but he is also a shell okay. of his former self. And it's like, would I trade Tristan Thompson for him? I don't think so. And partly, don't they have very different contracts? Isn't Baines making five and Thompson's making ten, basically? Yeah, nine. Yeah, so you need you need more with that deal. So the deal just doesn't make any sense. Um and, and so you're doing it because we're giving Tristan Thompson too many minutes in front of Robert Williams? Is that the reason? That I don't know. It doesn't. I, I guess
2: that. so. That 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 would be the only reason I can think of. Um, what about
1: Lamarcus well, Aldridge, Josh? Are You interested in him? Oh, I would love Lamarcus Aldridge. I I Wait, don't what? know if he's an. I don't know if he's an upgrade over anyone that we have right now. But yeah, just to have another guy who tick. can <laughs> shoot.
0: Are you serious? <laughs> Speaking of anyway, shells of former selves,
1: no, I mean the time to get Lamarcus Aldridge was, was two, two years, years ago. ago. <laughs> right now, it's like you're getting Celtics version of Shaq or Celtics version of Gary Payton. You know or those guys at the P, end, end, or... <laughs> the end, end of the career. So Neek. It's
2: not Celtics. Neek. No, Neek <laughs> right. was better. Neek, Neek was great. better Neek was better.
1: So this Lamarcus Aldridge is is a shell of himself. But you know, in this backup, backup big man role that Ainge has been kind of cultivating and revamping each year with the the Greg Monroe, which turned into the Ennis Cantor, you know, which now turned into Tristan Thompson. Offensive rebounding has always been the priority for that position. And at some point, I wonder if that changes to, you know, we'll just take some shooting over that. And that's what LaMarcus Aldridge is. Uh, but, you know, at 35, he's not going to be able to help us that much. Besides just Lamar- being like that, that grizzled veteran in the locker room who can come in Game to game and, and help you a little bit, but you can't rely on him.
2: Is Lamarcus Aldridge? Would he be any better than like our Greg Monroe pickup was a couple of years ago? Oh yeah, what?
1: yes, yes. Because defensively, Wait, are you saying what to me
2: or to or to Josh, Josh Adam? He's saying Lamarcus it, yeah. Aldridge
0: is washed. He can shoot a three. He, that's it. He can but shoot. He doesn't. A, he, he doesn't, he doesn't like shooting
1: threes against bigger players. He can guard the post against bigger players better than some of our smaller centers can. He can't switch on because a pick and roll. Are you, calling,
2: are you calling? Are you saying Aldridge is our MB stopper? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, guys, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying. Well, that's, that's the only,
0: that's, stop the stop only role that, that's the role that that the big who doesn't get pushed around or defends good bigs better than our smaller ones. That's that's who they're guarding.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not you other than
0: I'll take our our Tristan Thompson. Tice, Rob Williams. So,
2: a question for you guys though, uh, related related to our current big men. Um, so, against Houston, Tice played six minutes. He played the first six minutes. We were awful. He didn't play another minute of the game. Brad Stevens said after the game that he had a conversation with Tice. He clearly signaled that the team is going to be going more and more towards a smaller, smaller lineups. Once Smart gets off his minutes restriction, he's going to be rejoin the starters. Um, do you think do you think Tice is going to be the odd man out? How, how do you do you have predictions on how Stevens is, going, is, is Stevens going to drive us all crazy with totally random and arbitrary allocation of minutes that we're not ever going to be able to anticipate?
0: Yes, of course. Of course. I can't, Was it Grant <laughs> Williams who you identified as, as like a flukishly – I
1: mentioned he was out of the rotation now.
0: Oh, no, Neesmith,
1: right? Neesmith is out. The first yeah. one on the chopping block was Neesmith when Smart came back at all. When Smart gets more minutes, then it's going to be Jeff Teague. No, no, no. So well, I
0: hold on. No, what, what I'm saying is at one game that Neesmith was not in the rotation, I was like, he's out. And you guys were like, oh, it's one game, it's one game, it's one game. And I think a similar thing happened with Grant Williams recently – and and Mike, you've been like, what's what's going on here? This is how Stevens runs his rotations. It's maddening. Right. It's confusing to players. It is maddening. That's the, and that's this. That's the norm. That's how it's always happened. So in, what's going to happen um, here? And well, what's going to happen here is it's going to be maddening like that also. But I think if I were the coach of this team, just this season. I'd be resting guys way more than, than Stevens is. Pick two centers to play that game and rest the other. Tice, Tice is, is, he gets injured. Rob Williams gets injured. Like all of these guys could use some rest this season. Nothing wrong with, with keep playing Tice six minutes and, and, and that's it in, in one game.
1: We've officially gotten to the end of the podcast here where we're talking about LaMarcus Aldridge and we're talking about how maddening the Stevens lineups are going to be as he's cutting them. Like it's, it's, the the only reason that he's not going to play guys that he trusts above other guys, that would be Tice over Rob Williams. That would be smart over all the other guards. Uh, It's, it's as if someone like really starts to surprise and we're getting close to the playoffs. So like as Robert Williams continues to develop, this is his year. That's when you could see Tice and Tristan Thompson get less minutes, you know, when it really matters. Um, but other than that, we're going to play the guys, no matter what their size is or position, we're going to play the guys who Brad Stevens trusts. And a lot of times, that's Daniel Tice and uh, Sammy Ogily.
2: Playoff shemmy. Here we come. Oh, boy. Okay. I, um, I, I, think,
1: okay. I, I think I'm going to transition us here, guys, because I think we're going to see a Robert Williams start here in the next game up, hey. up against Rudy Gobert in the matchups. Um, so and I think that this is a good time to shake things up a little bit. And try that and see how he does. You
0: want to so, you want to make a bet on that, Josh? No. <laughs> yeah,
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on that. I'm wanna, pretty sure Time Lord won't start.
1: Yeah, I, I want to call the podcast, and if it happens, then I get to be the lucky <laughs> man. Uh, but I don't want to lose anything in a bet now, because this is a big game against Utah. This is yes. this is this this game coming up. Game. Uh, you know, as this podcast drops today, right on Tuesday, it's and it's it's the best team in the NBA, coming off of a loss. So they're going to be rearing to go. Um, They've been struggling this, a
2: bit, too. They had a little schneid before the All-Star break.
1: And so. Donovan Mitchell has a thing going on. He's, he's the other guy that nobody talks about who seems like he's really close to both Tatum and Brown. Um, you know, Everyone talks about Bradley Beal, but Donovan Mitchell is low-key like the other guy who I feel like if he ever were to leave Utah, he would strongly consider teaming up with Tatum and Brown. And he, I think, plays well against us and uh, tries to, to beat us. He, I mean, he's, he's, he has a little extra coming out against Tatum and Brown because he's another young guy in the same uh, generation who's trying to make his na- a name for himself when maybe he sees our guys getting a little bit more love, especially Tatum. Um, what do you guys think about this Utah game?
0: I think it's big um, partly because... Um, they're playing so well, we need to be playing well against good teams. I don't need the Celtics to beat Utah. I need them to play a, a 48 straight minutes of good defense against Utah and, and an offense that even, even when it sputters, um, they're running their offense and they're not settling for your turn, my turn stuff. And part of the reason that I need that to happen is because you're playing Cleveland afterwards, Um, and then at home against Sacramento and Orlando. So three teams that are not very good, those should all be wins. I need this team to start beating the teams they should and playing well against the best teams in the league.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. that You have a back-to-back here where we see Cleveland right after Utah. And I, you know, obviously Kemp is playing in that game. I don't know if you guys have heard if Marcus Smart on his rehab timeline is playing in back in the second night of back to back. but that would be something to look for. And, and that includes travel too, right? And so, you know, that's a, again. That's a big game that Cleveland game because it's the second night of a back to back. And I've I have been enjoying seeing the young guys who don't play much just play like super frisky. I mean, Carson Edwards is out there and Neesmith's out there. They're just. Rearing to go, and if we can bottle that up and control it a little bit, we're going to need that in, in the second night of a back-to-back like with this Cleveland game. Um, or when we play worse teams and we just want to rest some guys a little bit more. They all have to be wins. You're right, Adam. And we have a lot of games and not a lot of nights here coming up, You know, going further than just this week, but four games this week alone.
0: This team has had some time off. They've had time to practice really for the first time this year. They're pretty healthy right now. Thompson and Teague have no excuse at this point. They've had time to adjust to this team, to, to what their roles should be on this team. This team needs to show consistency. They need to, to put together 48 straight minutes, especially on D. I haven't seen that yet all year, and I need to start seeing that, to feel like this team has a chance to be a playoff contender this year. For you guys, what in the either in the next four games or in the next two to three weeks, what are the signs that you're looking for to see that this team is turning a corner to being a real contender?
2: Well I mean this this is the next two to three weeks, but it's also over the remainder of the season. One one thing that will help, uh probably, hopefully. I mean, building on your guys' points, hopefully I guess we can't take it for granted quite yet. Um, the Celtics start showing the consistency that we're that we're yearning for. The Celtics have the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA. Really? Um they are Yeah. Uh yeah, they have the Easiest strength of schedule remaining. Actually, the Jazz are next up at the top of the league. Let's see. Eh, No one in our division except for the Knicks. So maybe the Knicks won't stay up. (laughs) Hold on.
0: Let me just let let out a huge sigh of relief. Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the Celtics, the Heat, notably, also in our neighborhood. The Nets also in our neighborhood down uh, with easiest schedule. Probably just teams in the East that only have to play teams in the East. Uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, so that is a huge sigh of relief. I mean, the games are going to come, hot, you know, hot and heavy. Um, I want to see how, I want to see Smart get off his minutes restriction. I want to see our best, you know, our best four, our core four or whatever, or our best five, whether that's with Tice or Time Lord, um, really get some minutes together. And start showing real cohesion and and not just like winning the minutes, but dominating the minutes that they're out there. Because that is what we're going to need to be able to make a serious run in the playoffs is basically our best five has to be able to go toe to toe and win minutes against the other team's best five. That That's what the playoffs come down to. So um, I guess... In handing over to you guys to answer, I'm also curious, do you think our best five will be the obvious core four plus Tice plus Time Lord plus someone else?
1: Time Lord. Yeah, go. I would. I would want it to be Time Lord. At this point. Which is yes. there's, yes.
0: there's and it's not because Tice has fallen at all from last No, season.
2: Time Lord is just exciting. Though his net rating even in the last ten games is still really bad. I don't understand it. It confuses me.
1: Yeah, Tyce's ideal role is as a sixth, seventh, eighth man. You know, not as a starter. If you're trying to win a championship, so guys, of the 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, there's only two that have winning records on the road: the Nets and the Sixers. And the Sixers are 10 and nine, barely a winning record. That's to me what I want the Celtics to focus on. We are eight and 13 on the road, and we're playing a bunch of bad teams. We got to win those games against the, me- the mediocre and the bad teams, and we've got to win on the road. If we can improve that road record, I think that we're going to be in a really good position entering the playoffs in whatever seed we're in.
0: Josh, do you think there's a correlation between road record and age or experience of players? Uh, yeah, I would think so.
1: Absolutely. So in the next week, we've got one game away. But the week after that, we're at Memphis, at Milwaukee twice, at Oklahoma City. You know, So that's a huge week.
2: We have two at Milwaukee. Oof. Yeah. That'll be exciting.
0: All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod, or individually at Mike Minkoff, NBA and at Coach Motenko, not Petopenko. This is Celtics Pride for Celtics Blog.